The Washington Supreme Court sunsets the limited license legal technician program. Why is that and what happened? Well, our good buddy Lyle Moran from ABA Journal explains. I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. Hello, audience. Thank you for being with us here today. We've got uh, quite a show to unpack, but before we get to that, I want to thank our sponsor, NBI, the National Business Institute. Attorneys have trusted NBI with their CLE needs for over 35 years. Visit nbi-sems.com today and find out why. Don't forget to use that promo code LegalTalkNBI to get $100 off your next CLE course. All right. Thank you for joining us, Lyle. How are you doing today? Hey, Lawrence, I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Just wanted to say at the start, you know, I'm speaking for myself today and not um, representing the ABA or the ABA Journal, but looking very much forward to this conversation. Strong open, Lyle. You got to start with a disclaimer. (laughs) So audience, I invited Lyle. He's a good friend of ours. Uh, He's the host of our sister's show on the network, uh, ABA Journal's Legal Rebels podcast. And I invited him on because he wrote this great article that I found. Lyle was terrific. Uh, He wrote this for the ABA Journal, and it was about the, the Washington Supreme Court ending its uh, limited licensed legal technician program, triple LT for short. And that's how I'm going to refer to it from now on. There's too much to say, but you walked the reader through what happened and the reasons why. And what I'd like to do is do something similar with the listeners today. So Lyle, just as an opening question, you know, tell us a little bit about the triple LT program, its origins, reasons for starting and how it got rolling. Happy to do so. Well, Lawrence, like many states, um, Washington has had an access to justice problem. And, you know, they've had trouble, you know, in terms of getting the public the legal help they need at an affordable price. So they had a practice of law board that spent years looking at this problem, looking at the issue of the unauthorized practice of law. In a solution that was proposed to the Washington Supreme Court was this concept, as you mentioned, of the triple LT, the limited license legal technician. And the idea was that these technicians would be able to provide some legal help, you know, not do the same, you know, task that a lawyer could do to the full extent, but do some, you know, tasks, help fill out forms, send legal letters, and do so in a, you know, at a price that's much more affordable for uh, consumers. And so in 2012, the Washington Supreme Court approved this new triple LT license, making, you know, Washington the first state to adopt this type of initiative. And, you know, it basically seemed to get off to a pretty good start early on. What areas of law were the triple LTs allowed to practice in? They were limited to family law, what's called domestic relations. And that was something where, you know, a few years down the line, they did expand the scope of, you know, what they considered the family law eligible areas for triple LTs. But the idea was that's an area where there's a lot of self-represented litigants. And so it seemed like a good place for the triple LTs to begin working in. Well, you mentioned it got off to a good start, and, and I know that there was some controversy to it, especially when the program went into place. I think it was like 2012, if I'm not mistaken, but obviously that was still still coming out of the Great Recession and you know job opportunities and the economy are pretty down, especially in law. And so I know there was some debate about allowing other entrants in there, but as you were saying, it got off to a pretty good start. So tell us about that. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about um, the first practice area being approved that took place in 2013, just, you know, shortly after the license had been approved. And then the licensure requirements that were developed by the Triple LT board 
They included practical experience requirements, educational requirements. Those were approved by well as well. And so by 2015, the first LLTs were licensed, and the program even started getting national and international attention. Other states started discussing whether or not to you know, adopt similar licensing schemes. And in 2016, the Washington State Bars Board uh, unanimously approved a resolution strongly backing this triple LT rule, the ongoing implementation efforts. And the board also voted to make triple LTs members of the bar, just like lawyers. And they also said they were going to give a triple LT, you know, a seat on their board, really showing that they were a big part of the bar. And so Things, you know, they seem to have the support of the legal community and the public. Until it soured. And so, you know, I was reading your article and it just sounded like everything caved in all at once. And so, you know, walk us through that. What happened? They went from being, you know, pretty well thought of to all of a sudden now it's just kind of hitting a sour note for everybody. I think the big thing was there were changes both on the state Supreme Court and then on the Washington State Bars Board. And so you had new members of both bodies that just weren't as receptive. You know, proponents of the Triple LT will say they think there was this lawyer protectionism going on, that some of these, especially new members of the Bars Board, were more concerned about, you know, serving the interests of lawyers and, you know, basically addressing their concerns that Triple LTs would cut into their business than they were about, access to justice. And so you started to see some actions that just weren't as favorable to the triple LTs. This included the court denying requests for triple LTs to be practiced in new areas of the law. The bar's board, you know, rescinded the seat that could have gone to a triple LT or this one other non-lawyer type of licensee. So basically this representation they were going to have at the bar's board, never materialized, that seat wasn't filled, and then it was eliminated. And so this hostility that began to appear made it difficult for the Triple LT program to really grow as the proponents of it would have liked. Yeah, and I think part of the sour note, as, as I read, was that, you know, the Triple LT program was having some financial uh, issues. And a big part of that were uh, due to some financial roadblocks that popped up in there. So, you know, tell us about those financial roadblocks and what caused them. Yeah, well, one recent example was, you know, the Triple LT program. Um, of course, it's responsible for making sure that the candidates for the license can get the education they need. And so they had proposed to the Washington State Bar using the bar's online technology of some sort to be able to give the family law education to triple LT candidates. The bar's board was told it would bring in thousands of dollars to the bar. And despite that, the board voted, I believe it was 11 to 1, to reject the triple LT program's request to use the technology. So that was one instance where they felt they were putting forward a proposal to generate greater revenue that would help the bar, and it was rejected. Um, the triple LT board also reached out to the Washington State Bar Foundation. They wanted to be able to create a fund where they could you know, raise money to support the program, and the Bar Foundation's board rejected their request. As I understand it, I heard about this through the grapevine, that the vote to sunset the program was a little unconventional. So tell us what was different about the vote to sunset. Yeah, from what I was told by um, Chief Justice Stevens up in Washington, uh, they were the court was not expected to vote on 
at potential sunset of the Triple LT program at their June on Bonk meeting. But during discussion of other Triple LT matters, this was brought up. Apparently, the chief said she said, you know, that she suggested to her colleagues, let's put this off for a month, gather more input from the public, let them know we're considering this. That did not um, fly, and the court ultimately voted 7-2 to two in early June to sunset the program. Okay, and so now that it's sunsetted, uh, the triple LTs, you know, uh, for those that still have licenses and, and for those that are in process to getting those licenses, what happens to them? So the ones that are already licensed and in good standing, they can keep practicing as they already were. Those that are in the pipeline now have a deadline to try and become licensed. Um, basically, they have to complete pretty much all of their you know, primary requirements by next July, and then they have an additional year to complete um, their kind of experiential requirements. So there is you know, a limited time for the few hundred folks in the pipeline to try and get the license before that avenue is closed. My understanding is that the uh, Triple LT board is still functioning, but you know, obviously uh, without the approval, uh, there's really not uh, much that they can do. But what options does uh, that Triple LT board have at this point? Well, I know a couple long-term options they're considering are going to the legislature and seeking you know, legislation or some sort of action that would basically allow the triple LT license to continue and new applicants to come into the pool. Um, there's been some talk of, you know, a possible antitrust lawsuit regarding the decision to sunset the program. And I know I was speaking to a member earlier today of the triple LT board. They're also very closely following um, this, you know, rules revision process that's going on regarding the um, triple LT guidelines up there. I know we've taken sort of the, the triple LT perspective for the first part of this interview, but I know there's another side of the equation there, these bar leaders that uh, ultimately voted down continuing the triple LT program. You know, they were accused of, uh, you know, sinking the program, but, uh, you know, they, they said some things in disagreement with that. You know, what were some of their reasons? Yeah, and they would say, you know, I think the president noted of the, of the bar up there that, um, you know, there was never a committee or bar board vote to recommend sunsetting the program. And they they claim that they stood by their 2016 resolution, that they were strongly in support of it. You know, the president does acknowledge that there were some concerns about the finances. I know one of the numbers I highlighted in the story is that the program had won, uh, run a $1.4 million deficit. So that was something they were concerned about. And they've also noted that you know, there were less than 40 active licensees at the time the um, sunset recommendation was made to the court. So they feel like, you know, at least certain members of the board feel the program wasn't thriving as anticipated and it was costing too much. And so it doesn't seem like they've shed any tears over it being sunset. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Lyle. Where can our listeners reach you on Twitter? They can find me at, at Lyle Moran. All right. And also, thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate us in your favorite podcasting app. For more information, you can check out Lyle's article in the ABA Journal. It's titled, How the Washington Supreme Court Triple LT Program Met Its Demise. And also, we want to have one more time thank our sponsor for making this program possible, NBI, the National Business Institute at nbi-sems.com. Don't forget the promo code LegalTalkNBI to receive $100 off your next CLA. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Cluddy. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs>